Harry, you know, obviously you had success in Wales. Yeah. At the time before you came to Hartlepool, was there any other clubs that you were sort of speaking to or were interested in taking to you or was anyone else like mentioned? Yeah, there was three or four clubs that, that were, you know, that I'd got the final stages with and and it just hadn't it hadn't felt right or it hadn't been right. You know, whether that was whether uh, whether that was the club, you know, there, there was a couple that were quite big clubs in the co- in the conference, but one of them didn't really have any long term plan of of going full time and staying full time. They wanted to be on a part time basis, which I didn't really. I, I was happy at a, at a full time club in Wales. At TNS, every player and every member of staff was full time. Um, I didn't want to. <laughs> Go backwards from a point of view of my job position as being in yeah, football, yeah. football to go and you know I'd, I'd been there for six years, seven years of, of doing that. I didn't want to go backwards if I could to go into a Tuesday and Thursday night or a Tuesday Wednesday Thursday night. I, you know it was something I, it was something I worked really hard for from a coach's point of view, doing all my badges, put me hours in from a lower level to get the point where I was a full time coach manager. Mm-hmm. So you, you know there was there was one or two clubs. You know, Gated was one of them. Halifax was another one. You know, where at points it was very close, and it just didn't, for whatever reason, didn't really work out, and and it didn't didn't happen. Halifax, on two or three occasions, was you know was very close to get on really well with the chairman. He's a great guy, um, but in those other clubs as well. But I think with the with the Hartlepool thing, I think the obviously the the heart ruling the head a little bit as well with the. Area it was the region mm. is where I was brought up, where I played my football, where my parents live, where my family, extended family live, where my friends live, and I just thought, you know, it was one of them that, and being a massive club that had just been relegated out of the out of the football league, you know what, you know, what better could you get from a from a first time job moving out of Wales into the English system to being a everything but status being a football league club. I remember um, you talk about the nerves of, of speaking to the team for the first time. I suppose the press officer point of view, it might be the nerves of speaking to the new manager for the first time. And I remember ringing Craig and you were driving somewhere, whether you were driving to Hartlepool, I can't remember Craig, but the overall feeling and memory I've got about it is just how excited you were. I could yeah. just tell from speaking to you that very first time, you were just so, so looking forward to getting your teeth into it, weren't you? Yeah, now I was, and you know, in in um, like I said, fortunately, I've got a very very understanding partner. In but at the time, I'd said yes before we'd even agreed. <laughs> but it was one of them that she knew. Obviously, I'd went for the interview. Um, um, she knew that I'd been offered the job, but she didn't quite know that I'd already said yes before we'd talk about <laughs> the, <laughs> the moving, the relocating, the all the rest of it. You know, that was that was me being my you know, my psyche again of I've worked very, very hard for this and I've put a lot of time and effort in and it's something that from a personal point of view I was quite selfish with and and I was like, you know, I'll make I'll do anything that makes it work, you know, whatever you need to, to do and you know, and I I'm very, very fortunate I never had to choose. 
because there would have been no choice. I'm only joking, Danielle. <laughs> you listen to this, there would have been no choice. I would have got up and went anyway. She would have. <laughs> she's just shouting, by the way, she's listening to that. She's just shouting, she's heard that song. Yeah. Simo, you can cut that, cut that bit. <laughs> but no, I, you did get through yourself. But like you said, you, you moved well, Caboodle to the northeast. I remember that, you know, the first couple of weeks of the season, you threw a big barbecue, didn't you, for the staff and, and everyone to try and galvanise because you were probably aware that the club was a little bit on its knees after relegation and you wanted to do everything you could to give both the club and yourself the best chance you could. Yeah, without a doubt, like I said, it was it was a fantastic opportunity, you know, and, and still now, you know, everything but they're, they're a football league club. You know, without a shadow of a doubt, they've got a huge following. What about now, Greg? I still think now that they're a huge club in that league, you know, and, and it's it, it is it was something that I'd like I said, you know, it was almost like a bit of not redemption, but I don't know the best way to describe it. What what is the the thing that drove me and still does drive us now? I've not you know I've not given up on being a manager. Far from it. I really enjoy my job at the moment, but I've just turned forty two. And I've been a manager stroke coach for 12 years with a pro license, being involved with a champion with 15, 16 Champions League games, six Europa League, Europa League games, and, and being a full time manager stroke coach for 12 years. It just turned 42. So I'm far from giving up. You know, I'm just on a different pathway at this moment in time. But it's something that still now drives us every day that injustice of me having to retire 25, 26 year old, I don't think that was fair and I still don't think that was fair. And the only way that I'll put that to bed is when I become a successful coach or as successful as I can, coach, manager, as I can. And that's what drives me every day because it, it, I, I just don't feel in my, me as a person, I'm not going to lie down and stand and, and put up with that that was me it, it happened for a reason and the reason is I'm going to be a more successful coach or manager so at Hartlepool you know going back to when when you take the job what kind of vision was sold to you by the people at Hartlepool and how quickly did you start to suspect that it wasn't quite as it had seemed yeah look you know it went you know it went from the interview the the interview went really well. I think on the interview there was um, Pam Duxbury, Paul Watson, and um, John Blackledge. Blackledge, yeah, were in the interview panel. Uh, it was at the Tickle Troughton uh, Preston, just off the M6, and it went really well um, to the point of where before I got home, the Nienov offered me the job. It was one of them situations. Everything that went well could have went well. We hit off. We, we, you know, everything, you know, we're talking about budgets, we're talking about expectations, we're talking about May um, ambition, the club's ambition. And, and it was and it was from, from day one, what I was told, that to get back into the Football League ASAP. And, and that, that's the way it was. And, and, and that was great because that's what I wanted to do. I, I couldn't have thought of anything better to start my first job in England is to get a team like Hartlepool back into the Football League. Because I think it's probably easier to stay in the Football League than get promoted into the Football League from the conference. So that was always my state of mind. Getting promoted out of the conference was always going to be a harder task than staying in the Football League. 
whether that whether the the way public think that or not, I don't really care. It's what I think, and I still think it now, because of there's only two clubs go up, and there's only one two clubs go down. So you know, statistically, it's it, it's it's easier it's, it's to stay in that league more than any. But there's at least that get relegated. So that was always my thought that we need to get promoted. We need to get promoted. Whether that was the right thing or wrong thing, I think probably looking back it was probably the wrong thing. But I don't think I could have come into the club and just been, oh, well, it'd be massive if we got into the playoffs. We just need to have a bit of stability. We need to do this. We need to do that. We're playing in a different league. We need to get used to it. Everyone needs to get used to yeah. a, of a new start. I, it just would have been PR suicide from my point of view. But looking back, with being wiser and being older, possibly, and looking back where Hartlepool are now, without being disrespectful, I don't think they're any further forward than what they were when I left, apart from a bit more st- stability off the pitch. Craig, uh, uh, obviously I remember texting you at the time when yeah. you got the job, and, and I don't know a lot of the, I don't know any of the people there at the time that were running yeah. the show. When you went in, did you have a lot of signings to make? Did you change a lot of the players? Were there, were there a lot of players under contract that had come out of the league? Was that a difficult situation to handle? Yeah, it was because, you know, basically uh, it was sort of, there was a, a group of players that I was told that would not be signing. So I'd have to go and find some players. Um, there'd be other players that were recommended by agents. Uh, Paul Watson's job at that moment in time was recruitment. So he would right. be looking to bring players in. Um, it was it was a bit of a change from my point of view because I'd, I'd in part of the interview process was that I'd literally done everything at TNS to the point that I'd negotiated contracts with players, how much players were getting paid. Because I knew if I had a budget that if I wanted them that much, I would take from someone else to bring that one in. Yeah. And, and you know, Paul Watson dealt with that. I didn't know how much players were getting paid. Paul dealt with that. Paul brought players in as in through the agency, through his contacts as well. And it was it was a bit it was it took a little bit of time me getting used to that. I'm not saying I wasn't in complete control, but you know, it was a lot less control than what I'd been used to. You know, like I said, there was players that were told were getting too much money or too old that couldn't sign back. There was players that would I was told they'd want to get rid of. There was members of staff that I was told had to go. And it didn't matter what I said. Um, and then to rebuild in a short space of time, then yes, I'm not bl- I'm not I'm not putting I'm not putting hundred percent blame on anybody else. You know, I've got a, in in as we've moved on to the Hartlepool situation, there's one thing that I am is honest and I made mistakes, Mickey. Simo, yeah, I made mistakes. Yeah. You know, I'm a young manager, um, and I put my hands up to it. And, and, and there's some signings that didn't work out. There's some signings that got pushed upon us. There's some signings I, I made that I didn't get right. I, you know, in recruitment's huge. I know that. You know, but there's also four or five signings that I thought were were good, very good signings at the time, and got to to some point. But by the by, I didn't. Straight away, didn't really have the control. I was that was spoke about in the interview. Yeah. Within within the day I started the job, the, the, the day I started, no, no, basically the, the day I said yes, there was a list of players that I had to get rid of that that weren't getting 
that weren't getting retained, even though I wanted to. And then there was a, there was a high-profile member of staff that I was told that I couldn't keep whether I wanted to or not. So how, how do you manage that, Craig? If, if someone says to you, he's a player that will want you to sign or that is signing for the club and you're not in control of that, how, does it undermine you as a manager or do you just think, well, I've got to get on with it? Or I don't think it undermines you because, you know, that we had a, a recruitment person in there for a reason. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like, yeah. you know, you'd still say, right, I need X, Y and Z and I need to find these. Oh, I need to do this, or I need to do that, or I need to do that. You know, in in sometimes so you had some say in it, but not. Yeah, 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 yeah. So some say with eighty percent. Well, I had some say with eighty percent of it. So you know, it it was probably. Were there, were there some players that just landed and that you're having these? You're signing them. Well, not in so many terms, but. Well, I'm not going to name them because I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair on the people involved because it wasn't their fault, you know. Yeah, but the, the, yeah, yeah. But but there the, the was that it was it wasn't it wasn't like that. There wasn't like some of the stories you hear that they turn up on the training pitch and they kick <laughs> and you don't know who they are, you know. But but should I say there was there was players that were strongly pushed towards yeah my direction and 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 maybe as a my first big job do I say no? Do I spit me dummy out? Do I cause a massive scene? Do I, you know, do I, you know, you, you've got to weigh up the, the pros and cons. Should I have been probably stronger? Possibly. But we've got to remember, this is like seven, eight years of work that I've done of, of getting myself an opportunity. And, and I, th- I think, I thought I could have worked around it. I thought yeah. I could have done enough but- to, to, to play a little bit of lip service, but also as well as still to, it's something that I think I'm really quite good at. I'm quite, I thought I was quite good at, is, is picking me battles wisely and, and knowing when to, to do it. You know, I had a, I had a tough chairman at TNS, but me and, me and uh, Mike Harris got on really well. But again, I would, I would pick me battles. If the people that own a football club and put money into it, want to feel like they've had a couple of wins every now and then, but it's no, at the time you think it's no huge significance to me and I can move on and I eventually get what I really, really want. Then I think it's modern day football. Sometimes you have to do it. Yeah. And that first month was, was quite tough, wasn't it? It was a bit of an yeah. incarnation of fire in the, in the National League from the opening day. Yeah. And it sort of was a bit of a, it was a grind, wasn't it, for the first three or four yeah. weeks? That bank holiday weekend changed everything, didn't it? Right at the end of August, the, the win at Geisley and yeah. then we had some brilliant wins, you know, the Solly Hall game. Yeah. Orient away, I think. Yeah. We and to be honest, Craig, the spirit at the time then, behind the scenes, you know, on a Friday night in the hotel, yeah. a bit of laughter amongst the staff and everything, the spirit was building and it was probably as good as it's been that I can remember, you know, at that time. No, I agree. I think I think it was. You know, you know, don't, the first month was hard. It was really hard coming to a new job. You know, you're trying to get where you want to play. Possibly had to change the way I really wanted to play. You know, that was just as much as as, as down to me as much as anything else. You know, uh, probably possibly should have been a bit more efficient, shall we say, earlier on. Wanted to play possibly more football than what probably was needed to get out of that league 
in, in a, and I think, you know, it took a month or so for everyone to bed in. It took a month or so for the players to know what I wanted, not just on a training pitch of pre-season, but in a game. How, you've, how... you've got that relegation hangover as well, haven't you? You've got players that are being relegated and that has a big effect on the next season as well, I think. Yeah. I remember the time we got relegated and, mm-hmm. and, and it's like a hangover for months and months and months after of, of disappointment. So you've got that to deal with as well as coming to a new club and, and new principles and philosophies, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, there was a lot of juggling going on at the time. And obviously, you know, we we were close to more and, you know, worked closely together. And and I think you would see how much effort I was putting in and how much work I was putting in to try and get, you know, but that doesn't just happen overnight. You know, like I, like I referred to earlier, you know, if you, if you get 18 months, two years down the line and things aren't going well, then I think, yeah, you, you've got to be looking at something's going wrong here. But, but you know, nine, ten months down the line, in a, in circumstance as well, you know. But but we were building, we were, we're building, yeah, day on day in training, week on week. Um, I was finding out a lot more about players that I didn't know about from a personal point of view, who I could rely on, who I couldn't, which you only really know until you work with them. It's fine seeing players play. In different teams, it's it's fine doing all your due diligence, as in seeing the player. He's a good player. These are his physical attributes. But when the chips are down, how are these players going to react? And there was a few players let me down. I thought a few players let the club down. A few players let themselves down. You know, but that was never going to be known until you get into the the cooker pressure, the um of of the of a demanding football club that had just been relegated in. Two, three, four thousand fans. Sometimes, that at home there was no hiding place. There was no place to go under a shell. There was you got to take responsibility. You got to go and play football. You got to go and do this. You got to go and want the ball. You've got to be prepared to make a mistake. And you've got to, you know, put your balls on the line and trust yourself in the trust that the manager and the coaching staff have got in you to go out there and do it. In you know, and, and there was probably three, four, maybe five out of a twenty group squad that I possibly found out quite quickly that that they weren't going to do that and, and, and then you, you move on from then and subsequently then you know you, you make your mistakes and you learn from that and, and as a manager you've got to learn quickly and then we, I think we went on a run of 12 unbeaten games and we won 8 or 9 of them somewhere I think it was yeah yeah through October and, and in, in November to be fair it was it was it's difficult because I'm looking back and trying to remember with detail when things happened, but there was cracks starting to appear, and I presume, you know, without wanting to put words in your mouth, you probably noticed those perhaps a little bit earlier than others in the club at the time? Yeah, without a doubt. I remember, this is where I knew things were really going to start going badly. We, we um, It was um, November, Halifax at home, 1-4-0. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. So by that time, we'd got, I think... I think we'd, we'd played 15 games. I think we'd won 12, uh, sorry, won nine, drew three and got beat a couple. So I think we're in a real good, real good run of form. I think we were probably six or seven points from playoffs. Considering we, we started badly, we didn't get a win for four or five games. And we, we momentum was starting to build. We were really starting to, you know, we'd just beat Halifax at home 4-0. You know, at the Vic, it was fantastic. Decent crowd, and um, I remember 
uh, Pam Duxbury at the time coming to speak to me and saying, um, Craig, can I speak to you after the game? Um, when you finished with the coaches after the game, recapping or speaking to the players, soon to call the pitch. By that time, you know, I, I hadn't, I wasn't fearing for my job by that time because, you know, we're in a, we're in a good position. We're one or two wins away from getting in the playoffs. Yeah. And at the conference, it's a week, isn't it? You know, Saturday, yeah, yeah. Tuesday, yeah, Saturday, yeah. you know, all of a sudden you're in the playoffs, nine points, a good week, and you're there or you're there about. So, you don't agree with us, Mickey? He's getting an extra lighting on the situation. <laughs> it's getting tense now, Mickey. I know, I'm getting <laughs> interested now. It, this is it now. So, <laughs> so it, it's got to that point. We've just beat Halifax at home, 4-0. Good performance. You know, when was the last time, you know, Hartlepool won 4-0 at home? Convincing performance. Everyone's going away happy. Uh, like I said, come in. Pam said to me, can I speak to you, Craig, after you've addressed the team? And the, Yeah, no problem. So... Were there? Um, there were still a few coaches about by that time. I think Jenks and Beatty might have still been about. And um, Pam just said, "Was oh, I need to speak to you one on one. Can I speak to you tomorrow? Are you in tomorrow?" I was out. Uh, yeah, fine. Players are off. I'll make sure I'm in the training ground. I'd be in anyway, as you know, Simo. Didn't have many days off. Come in to prepare for the next game. Match analysis. Look over the team we're playing against. So got in and, and um, basically just sat down with Pam. Pam just said, John's pulled out completely. He's not paying no penny. He's not paying another bill. He's not paying an electric bill. He's not paying a wage. He's not paying anything. He's pulled out completely. He is not spending another penny at this football club. And that was the back end of November. And that was the Wednesday before we're just about to get paid, getting paid last, last Friday of the month. And that was then yeah. when she said, "That's it, Craig. It's we're not. He's not paying anyone. The lads aren't getting paid on Friday." Yeah, I mean, I remember at the time, and, and, and well, not at that time, but later on, I was told by one senior member of the team that he'd been told by Paul Watson that the ship was going to hit the fan and that they might not get paid. And to be honest, it wasn't rocket science. Then looking back and looking at the results and the way they fell off a cliff at a point when the players then obviously found out that there was a chance that they weren't going to get paid. It's not you know, I I, I, I'll never be one to duck things or, or make excuses, you know, but we were in a good run. Yeah. You know, the, facts, the facts speak were a good run. If you go back, and in, 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 I don't know, you might, you might know some, or you might, you might, you know, get on your stats and have a look, and it'd be interesting to see where we were after that win against Halifax. Now, I would imagine we were probably no more than four or five points away from playoffs. Maybe yeah, six. I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I do know it was the last win for a while. Yeah, and, and, and strange enough, the curse of the manager of the month. <laughs> and, and then, so, so then I'm speaking with Palm and, you know, then the lads are supposed to be getting paid on the Friday. So the lads are off on the Wednesday. I'm hoping that it's just a blip and John is for whatever reason, I don't know what's happened. So I've tried to get hold of John. I had a direct line to him. Couldn't get hold of him on numerous occasions. Um, spoke to Pam. Um, and Pam was still on the Thursday, uh, sorry, on the Wednesday night. Look, Craig, we're going to have to bring the players in tomorrow and we're going to have to tell them they won't be getting paid on Friday. And we don't know when they'll be getting paid and we don't know for the foreseeable future what will be happening. So we need to let the lads know as soon as possible. So we'll get everyone in, in, the, in the, um, at, at Durham, in the canteen, 
and we'll let everyone know that they're not going to get paid on that Friday. And they didn't get paid on that Friday. They did. They got paid a week or two later, I think, the first time. And then it was sporadic after that. And they, they never didn't get paid. That never happened. The fallacies or whatever, it never. But it was probably only once between then and the end of the season that the lads got paid on time. They, 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 did never, they never got paid when the total were going to get paid. Or they said they're going to get paid on the, and they didn't. And, you know, and it, it just from, the, from then on, I, you know, I, again, the, the lads, you know, they got a lot of stick from supporters. And, and I'll be the first one to support them because I don't think any of them chucked the towel in. But I think from a psychological point of view, you know, some of them lads there have relocated. Some of the lads, I know for a fact one player and in, in, in their wife had given up a job. There were, there, were, there were two family income to then, so he could come and be with Hartlepool. And then single income. And then all of a sudden that's not guaranteed and it's not guaranteed the time. And it's not guaranteed this. You know, and, I, and I wouldn't want to embarrass any player. And, and it got to the point of where a player's wife texts me and rang me and asked us, what, what, what's going on, Craig? My husband's not going to come out, or my partner's not going to come out and ask you and be, it seemed to be disruptive, but what's happening? Yeah, it must have been a, must have been a horrific sort of period to manage, but like you say, you've got, you've got a lot of people wanting you to answer questions yeah. without you being, really being able to give them any answers, and I think that's a, that's a hard situation to be in, and then you've got to try and prepare your team for a football game as well. So, so you've got all the stuff a normal manager has to do, but then you've got this real uncertainty of can I can the players pay the mortgage? Can they put petrol? Whatever, and it, it just adds to that real how hard the job is, doesn't it? Yeah, it does without a doubt. And it just you know, and you've got to remember, you know, that the lads are professional footballers, but they're not getting. Thousands of pounds a week. They're not, you yeah. know, it's not going to go, you know, it's not going to go well. Okay, I, I, I'll miss two or three months. I'll be fine. It's not. You, you maybe miss a month or two in the career that, you know, there's, there's maybe one or two that had, had a good career that might have been in a position that could get by for two or three months. But after that, there's bills to be paid. You know, yeah. everyone, everyone lives to the means. If they're getting a good salary at 28, 29 year old, they're going to have a nice car and a nice house. They're going to have a, a, a decent mortgage. They're going to have dependencies. They're going to have children that need feeding. They've got, you know, and that's not me being dramatic. That's the facts of being at that level of football. That you know, one or two months' wages not being paid, then may not being paid or not being paid on time. You know, so, some of the some of the players at that level are still younger lads who haven't financially matured or they're living in an overdraft. They're living in. You know, and then the, then all of a sudden you don't get paid for another week. Then that overdraft is gets bigger. Or you you can't pay your mortgage because that, and you get you know all these things. You know, at that level, there's probably 50, 60 percent of people in the working life getting paid as much as what 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 these footballers are getting paid at that level. It's a fantastic job, and it's very very lucky. And there's a probably a 10 percent of them that are getting paid very, very well, more than the average person getting paid in the street. But there's certainly some that were getting paid what what what, what electrician gets yeah. paid in, in a week or a month. 
it was it was a really strange time because there was all these was, you never knew what you could believe who was telling what you know you Pam was saying one thing and then you'd hear Jack, John Blackledge say something else and there was no money but we were somehow bringing in people to design a new logo and things like that it was just the whole thing felt mad and I mean by about Christmas um, most of the office staff um, Pam had stopped talking to them and stuff yeah. we were like kind yeah. of just ostracised it was such a weird time. It, it went from, you know, I think probably the the October, November being really, really buoyant and really good and everyone together and, you know, and really making progress to to then, then obviously not knowing we're getting paid, you know, like I said, I've got to back the players 100%. Um, they might have not been good enough, which that's fair, that's fair enough, that's, that's honest, you know, everyone's got their level, I've had my level as a player, I've got my level as a coach, as a manager, we've all got to accept that, that's it, you know, but I, I don't think any of them chuck the towel in, it was just, I think, the difference between, sometimes the difference between winning games and not winning games is the good week of training you had, and if you're not 100% tuned in to every training session, when it comes to Saturday, subconsciously, you're going to be 10, 15, 20% down. And I think yeah. looking back, that was, they didn't come and not give it all. They didn't come and work, not work hard in training. But I can, looking back now and reflection, that you could tell a quarter and a half of the group were there in body, but they weren't quite there in spirit. Yeah. I mean, I, I, those players that I played with over the years, Harry, that would openly say that. Oh, I'm going to try harder because I need another goal to get me bonus or a, a, that win bonus from winning the game is important because I want to pay for a, towards a holiday. You know what I mean? So it, some players have that that sort of financial thing mm. as a real something to strive for. Yeah. And, and if, if players know, well, it doesn't matter. I might not get me match appearance money. I might not get me goal bonus or clean sheet bonus. Yeah. That has an effect on you. And it has an effect on, like you said, during the week as well as weekends. And it, it, I mean, I, I wasn't there, so I can't understand how difficult it was. And uh, But you can imagine that from players' point of view, it, it is hard. And, and I know uh, probably the fans were giving them stick if you're on a bad run, and, and fans will do that. But like you say, a lot of these lads aren't earning massive money. They can't go and, and, and go to the savings and, and bring out money to pay for the bills. And, and it has a real effect on them during the week as well as on a Saturday. No, it definitely, definitely, without without a shadow of doubt, and, and that's why I, that's why I defend them, and you know, you know, and, I, and I'm quite happy, even even though the the time wasn't as as good as what I'd want it to be, that I'd, I'd actually defend the the players that the, the I don't think any of them tossed it off, you know, I think the some of them didn't deal with the situation quite as well as what they could have, but you know, unless you put in that situation, then then who's to say how you're going to deal with things? Yeah, so so then it just from then on it just started to unravel, you know, down to down to the comical stuff that, you know, we had no access to internet at the training ground, so you couldn't do your match analysis, couldn't download games, you couldn't watch teams. The 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 comical situation of going down to Dagenham Redbridge Simo, which I'm sure you remember, yeah. um, where we didn't have the kit. Because they hadn't paid the laundry bill, and they I remember that. Yeah, I well, remember they that story. The, the warm-up blue Vanarama jackets. We had to borrow them off Dagenham. We had to borrow mm. bibs off Dagenham to do the the keep ball before the session. You know, and, and, and before that, the the 
I think what you know, I I, I don't want to be critical on, on on people, as in personal people, but I think what there was a, there was a couple of things rolled into one. Obviously, what happened was that the situation was that John pulled his money out. So I think what Palm did, thinking she was doing the best for the club, was went to the league and told them that situation. And within a week, we'd had an embargo put on her, which no one knew about, which I had to keep quiet about, which I had to say nothing about until after until the actual window opened again in January and we had to explain why players weren't being signed. So from possibly November till January, it was a good six, eight weeks, and even possibly before that, that there was an embargo by the league that knew what no one really knew about, even up until the last day of January, because I think we're still behind the scenes, just batting it off as if we're still talking to people you know, so yeah, when you know, to the point of which was quite embarrassing looking back, Paul Watson sat down with Franksy and they were going over contracts about this and that, and, then, and no one found well that we have, we've got an embargo. You couldn't have signed them. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know why things like that happened. I don't, I, I, I don't know. We, we were the people behind the sleeves were deluded that we were going to get out this embargo, but John. Blackledge still was never going to put any more money in. John's, John's things like things like that, Harry. Get word like that gets around quickly, though, doesn't it? That something yeah. like that's happened at Hartlepool, and all of a sudden everything blows up, and everything's doom and gloom, and and the situation, no matter how bad it might have been, gets worse and worse and worse. Of something as well, frankly, you'll probably not think it's small, yeah. but a small thing like that, like pretending you're going to give someone a contract. Yeah, well, but for Frankie, he had a family as well. You know, he had a family. He was, you know, he was going, you know, he was leaving it. If Francie was going to go to a football league club, you know, the the deadline was going to close in a week yeah. or so, and we're still, you know, Keith, um, Keith Watson had to go back to St Johnson because his loan deal wasn't was up in January. We couldn't renew that. Um, Make a ledger. Same happened there. Francie, we couldn't renew his contract because. His deal was up in January. Um, by that time, you know, we had to let people go, whoever was going to go. You know, it happened before that, you know, the, the, the you know, Podrick Ormond went, which was a little bit of back and forth. It wasn't, you know, but, but Podge didn't want to stay. So we got money from him. Nicky Devidex went because Wrexham offered money for him. So we couldn't sign any more players. So before we know, we had like 15, 16 players. That was supposed to be playing a Saturday, uh, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, you know, and, and possibly, possibly four or five of them had proven themselves they weren't good enough anyway, without being disrespectful to anyone, because we'd brought other ones in and we went on a good, a good run, you know. And was it, it was, was there any um, any time during that embargo era where you just felt like coming out and telling everyone, like yeah, in a press conference? Yeah, without without a doubt, because you know, you know. Uh, you know, the, it, I think it's well documented. I don't really, I'm not really fussed about knowing that. I got quite a bit of stick near the end, you know, and it's not, it's something that it's water off a duck's back. It hasn't bothered us one little bit. You know, it's, it's one of them things that uh, football fans entitled to um, have their opinion and, you know, I think yeah. harshly, harshly treated in some ways when you know what ha- actually happened. But I wasn't one for pitiful stories. I wasn't one for feel sorry for me. 
you know, I wasn't, I didn't want to say at the time, it looked as if I was making excuses. It's two yeah, years yeah, from now since I've left Hartlepool yeah. quite happily, you know, the, the, no, no one's really involved with the football club since, you know, and and, and, that, and it, then again, I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers, I'm not naming names, I'm not shaming, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying the things that went on, you know, were, were literally, were, were comical, you know, about how to run a football club, you know, we've got, we've got a chef, we've got this, we've got that. The chef didn't get paid for God knows how long. This didn't get paid for God knows how long. The, you know, the last two or three, well, last three or four weeks of playing, my missus come in and was cooking, similar, I think you remember that, for the lads' dinner because I didn't think it was right. You know, I was going out buying food. Well, my missus was from a supermarket coming in and we had a double session or we had leading up to match prep. My missus was cooking the food and coming in and serving it. You know, and... <laughs> It's incredible, isn't it? But but there was like I said in in that November when when John pulled out, you know that was that that was the the sort of defining moment because it just went downhill from then, and and losing players and you know and and that the one day that stands out for me is when we played Chester away. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 obviously there was a big talk of a a, a person in town. Um, is going to take over the club and, yeah. and it's going to be okay. The club's going to be saved because we were on the brink. It was literally going to, you know, that had been so badly run that it was going to collapse. And on the way to Chester, I remember getting a text off, off Jeff Stellan. You probably got it at the same time, Craig. Maybe I don't know. And I was driving down and, and, and I remember Becky picking me phone up and I said, oh, I'll see who that is. Yeah. And I just got a text off Jeff saying, takeover's collapsed, mate. Yeah. Well, I like, think literally the, the whole car just like it was just a horrible atmosphere, wasn't it? I think at the time we were having our pre match in the yeah, hotel, yeah. is literally four miles from where I live now. Where, where's my home, St. David's Park Hotel? And it was um, De Vier, we were having the pre match there. And um, my, uh, my Mrs. Danielle texted us and said, Don't let the lads, are you in a meeting? Are you trying to stop the lads from looking at their phones because this has just happened? And then by the time I got back in after speaking to her, they were all sitting there pre-match with the phones out talking about this has happened, that's happened, the other's happened, you know. And it was like it, there was a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, wasn't there? Like yeah. leading up to that, and then that was just like bang, there we go again. It was just like t- like the rug being taken, you know, snatched from under your feet, and and we had to play a game two hours later, two and a half hours later, and we'd done all right to be fair. We should actually won the game. Yeah. You know, we, we should have won the game. We drew one-one in the end, and there was a late equaliser, wasn't there? Where we had, I remember rightly, we're winning one-nil, and I think I don't want to name. Well, Devanti had a great one-on-one just yeah. beforehand. Keepers made a great save, and with seven or eight minutes left, they went up the other end and got the equaliser. Yeah. And um, yeah, for my mind serves us rightly, and that was a, you know, and and then from then on, it was just. It, it was just desperate measure after desperate measure, you know. It was, it was, you know, to the point of when we played Wrexham at yeah. at the Vic, and you know, we were out with our begging balls because if not, uh, I think the, the the club would have went bankrupt. I think I was saying to Mickey earlier on as well. One of the things that I mean, it, it depresses me anyway that that people like yourself, and I've probably said it to you in the past. People like yourself and numerous dozens and dozens of other people have never seen Hartlepool United at its best and what Mickey yeah. saw and what he was part of. So many people in the last 
seven, seven, six, seven years, I haven't seen that side and it depresses me. But what, what was worse was at the time, I remember, it was probably the lowest I've been in the whole time of me, me Hartlepool career, probably. It was those three or four weeks where there was a big, massive divide, wasn't there, between yeah. the office side and the training ground. And I think, I think that was, it was sort of promoted by people within the club, which I didn't like. And, and I was caught in the crosshairs of that a little bit, I felt like. And for about three or four weeks, I think you were the only member of the coaching staff who was even talking to me. And it was such a, it was such an odd... Oh, he's good quite a, <laughs> <laughs> I remember having quite an uncomfortable conversation that needed to be had yeah. with, with the training ground to try and get some kind of impasse because it was, it was awful, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it, it was. It was, you know, it was nothing short of venomous. You, you know, if if I was being honest, it was, it was poisonous. It was, it really was. It was, and and I and I, and even looking back now, I, I don't really know how it got to that situation. No. I really don't. A lot of people being underhand, a lot of people saying things that weren't true, a lot no. of rumor mongering, a lot of people trying to cover their own back. A lot of people try and deflect, you know, and, and that was that was what that was the situation that unfortunately we found ourselves in. And it was probably the people who were actually who were getting the heads down and working as hard as what they could were affected the most, where the other people sort of just got on with it and didn't really you know, didn't it, it didn't really affect them, you know. It, it it was the people that were genuinely and I class myself in that. Yeah. That January was there, obviously for my own career, of course. But, you know, I, I really wanted to get this club back in the Football League. And, and, and I'd, you know, I was the first one at the train ground, the last one away. I was the first, you know, everything that needed to be done, I'd done, you know, and, and I, there was no stone unturned. And it was one of them things that, you know, with hindsight, would I have done things different? Definitely, yes. But, you know, with hindsight, I think, and I, I'd done as much as what I could and, that, and I'd probably say half of that was taken out of my hands and things that I didn't have any control of. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, It's almost like we need to think about your Hartlepool management career as them first few months when everything was rosy and everything yeah. was going all right as what you could have done and what you did really well and then the rest of it is, like you said, it's out your hands, isn't it? It's, it's uncontrollable effects on the football team and and how are you supposed to manage a team in circumstances like that? I'll never know. Yeah, it's tough. And, and like I said earlier, I'm not one for making excuses. And even in that second half, you know, if, we, if we're talking about that, the, the second half of it, the last two or three months, then there's still, of course, there's still things I could have done better. There's still yeah. there's, there's things that, you know, you know, I was very, very fortunate at TNS to break a world record. You know, won uh, 27 games in a row. And... And there's still things I could have done that was better, and this and I was still gutted that we drew two-two. In what could I affected in that game previously to make that game where we'd won two-one or two-nil? It's still it's still stuff like that. So, so I'm, I'm I've not got me head in the sand. I've, I'm not someone that just thinks oh it was all someone else's fault. It wasn't, and I'm big enough and ugly enough to accept my my part of the responsibility. But you know, I think there's got to be, and I think. Now's the time to, to make it public that there was a lot of it that was out of my hands. And, you know, the, all of it wasn't. I made mistakes all the way through. Every manager does, and I wouldn't duck that, you know. But one of the biggest things was that I don't, I don't think until now 
a lot of people, apart from Simo, you were in there. Obviously, Mickey, you know, well connected in the club, so you would have heard things. So, but what actually went on, the, you know, the, the comical running of a big football club like that, in the, in the, in, I think what you said as well, Simo, the head in the sand of where we were financially should have been recognised a lot, lot quicker than what it was. Just not, just didn't pay the bills for like four months. <laughs> all right, I just. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna try that from tonight. I'll say all those. Well, I'll we get used back to here. say that. We used to say that. If you tried that with your own house, you'd be living on the street very quickly. I don't understand what really uh, was expected to happen, but um, you know, then it, it all sort of became a, a bit of a. It just was a shitstorm, wasn't it? I mean, do you? Do you the, the key question, I guess, in the middle of it all, Craig, is: Do you regret leaving TNS? Nah, I don't. Nah, I don't at all. Nah, I think um, uh, the, I'm a better person, better manager, better coach, better football all-rounded now than the experience I've had at Hartlepool and I did without it, without a shadow of doubt. I was... Um, Danielle said she does. She just, are you not here, Danielle? <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought she was agreeing with you there. Yeah, <laughs> she, she, she screamed in the background that she does. I've got yeah. a feeling this would be a different podcast if Danielle was on it as well. Yeah, I think you might be. Yeah, but 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 no, as as it, it was, it was it wasn't a very nice experience. But but you don't always have to have nice experience to learn from it and become a better person, a better coach, a better manager, and I'm in a better position now to to be more worldly wise about being football. And, you know, at TNS, I was very, very fortunate to win, 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 win. The odd game would get beat. You know, if we drew, it was catastrophic. If we got beat, it was like we got beat 10-0. You know, it, we had to win every week and, in, in, you know, and all the experiences with the Champions League and European football. But it was, it was the right time. It probably, and I would like to think it was the right club. Um, for me to move, it was the right, and it was just just the wrong wrong people in charge, in wrong situation. The club was it because, like I said, um, don't want to don't want to be disrespectful to the football club as it is now, and, and certainly not Dave because I know Dave quite well. I don't really see the football club in a majorly different place to where it was if I had been there. Well, I'll be honest, Craig. I think if you walk back into the into the football club now, you you wouldn't recognise it from you were dealing with then, you know, it was, it's, um, it's like a ghost town now. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's something we spoke about before, Sim, wasn't it? It's one of them that it's, yeah. it, it's actually, it, it made me sad the last time I went down there because of the, the lack of atmosphere that's in the place. And I'm not, I'm not talking about a match day. I just mean in the background of the offices and, and it's just, it's just nothing. There's nothing there anymore. And it's, it is terribly sad. Yeah, I think the the biggest, you know, we're talking about regrets and so on and so forth. The biggest thing I think, um, the, the biggest guilt I've still got and I still deal with on a daily basis, um, probably not daily now, but it's still I still feel really terrible for Danielle and for Ruby because I, I signed a three-year contract and I was told sitting in the, I know football's football, I was told in the meeting from John Blackledge that, um, you're going to have to move your family. I would have anyway, but you're going to have to move your family. You're going to have to move a five-year-old girl out of her first year of, of, of primary school. You're going to have to move your wife, who's got a successful business, to to really, really um, 
throw yourself into it. And I would have anyway. We would have. Yeah. That's how we are. And then to be told in November, possibly six, seven months later, that I'm not even going to pay your wages or pay anyone else's wages or pay another bill. And I've got no accountability from that. It's something that I do regret. And I've still now got a bit of taste and I still feel quite angry about it because, you know, we stayed up there the full year to see the, see the school year out. And it was probably one of the saddest days of my parenting life seeing leaving that school that um, a six seven year old had gone to and forged really good relationships with teachers and friends and uncontrollably sobbing on our last day coming out of a school and trying to I know it happens. I know it happens. I've gotten I don't we don't live with in a world of rainbows and unicorns. But you know that that's the only you know I'm a big boy, I can look after myself to a certain extent. Danielle's a big girl, she can look after herself. So we get on with it. And, and, and kids are resilient, I know that. But that, that's one thing I'd never, ever forgive the, the, the powers that'll be. Yeah. That I, I, I don't think that was called for the situation that happened. I mean, yeah, even, I even, the way that, even the way it ended, Craig, I, my understanding of the situation is since that it, it, was, it was someone who wasn't even employed by the football club that was driving Pam to, to, to sack you. you know right. Um, who, who then went on to become part of the football club as the, as the next chief executive, who, who, was, who was behind that decision. He, 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 he talked about it all the time when he was chief executive. Yeah. Uh, and I, just, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's right either. Yeah, you know, the, the other thing as well, you know, I've got... A, 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 I, don't, I don't really want to name names, but, you know, there's, there's a, um, someone that works for a newspaper... Um, up in the northeast, that told me I was getting sacked that day. Mm-hmm. So they rang me first thing in the morning. Um, it was a day after Halifax. Um, it was about eight o'clock in the morning, and I thought this is a bit strange getting a phone call off who it was. It was someone who didn't cover the papers at that time in the area, but someone who I had a good relationship with, and said just to give you the heads up, Craig, that they're going to meet you at the club today and they're going to sack you and it won't even be the owner and it won't even be the chair lady. So Paul Watson rang me and then we had a conversation. We met at Durham. We had a conversation and I, I made it as uncomfortable as possible because I wanted Pam to tell us, you know, even to the point of she made so many excuses and, you know, to the point of said, fine, I'm at home. Come to my home. Come and tell me at home, you know, by this time, I don't think Paul. I think Paul wasn't even working at the club, was he, Simo? By that time, just the timeline. Probably not. No, I think he'd stepped aside, hadn't he? Yeah. So because well, because I think it'd become, it'd become clear that the club didn't need a head of recruitment when they were under a transfer embargo. Yeah, yeah. That's a good giveaway, isn't it? <laughs> it's a good, yeah. So so yeah, and you know, and it was just. I just think you know, come on, you know, if it's going to look look, win the industry, you know. God knows how many seconds you see Simo. Mickey, you've been a you've been a footballer long time. To be honest, it was it was one of my when I got sacked by Harley, but it was one of the things that pissed me off more than anything else. That Russ was the chief executive at the time, and Maureen in the office rang me up and told me that I was getting sacked. Yeah. yeah. And I and and I spoke to Russ about it, and I said, Russ, why didn't you just meet us for a coffee and tell us like like. I just want, I don't, I, my biggest thing was I didn't think it was fair on Maureen. Maureen's on the yeah. phone, was crying her eyes out. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, Maureen, it's not your fault. You haven't made this decision. 
but I would like to have heard it from the people that have actually made the decision. So then you can look them in the eyes and say, yeah, okay. And it, it was the right time for me to leave. And I would have said that to Russ, but I wanted him to tell me. I didn't yeah. want Maureen to be put in that situation. Mm. And like you said, you want the person that's made a decision or been involved in that decision yeah. to tell you face to face. Because as well, um, after I've been sacked, uh, I spoke to John Blackledge and John didn't know anything about it. And at the time, he was still the official owner of the football club. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> just about, seems to sum it up that yeah, the, the stuff about being leaked to the press and stuff. I remember you don't know if you remember that redundancy meeting that we had, yeah, uh, at the ground. And I'd been told, presumably from a similar source to, to the one you had, two hours before the meeting, I got a phone call saying, Oh, you're going to be all pulled into a meeting and told there's going to be a restructure and there'll be redundancies. Yeah, but Paul Watson had told the journalist in question before the staff had got to know that their jobs were at risk. And that was the way the football club was run at the time. I think that was, when we look at, you know, the, the poisonous atmosphere, I think that was, I, 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 you know, looking back, when things like that are happening, I don't think there's going to be any other way. We're all, we're all human beings, we've all got feelings, we're all, you know, in a, in a football club, you've got, you know, people, feisty people, you've got people like Simo who's been in the football club for a hell of a long time, you've got footballers that are, high maintenance, you've got managers and coaches that are doing a job. It, it, it's just, it's a recipe for disaster looking back now. When you're saying about all these things that happened, you know, and it, there's, there's other things that I heard from other members of staff when I moved on about other people stabbing me in the back and so on and so forth. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go into that. What goes around comes around, you know, but yeah, it, yeah. it was, it was real. It was like a, a pit of sort of venomous, Vapors, you know, you, you didn't know who to believe, you didn't know who was telling the truth, you didn't know who to turn your back on anybody, you know, and, and it, it just created a really, really poor atmosphere. And it was and it was the people that were weren't caught up in the circle that probably were the ones that were driving it, which was strange. Well, Craig, thanks very much indeed for, for joining us. It's been really insightful the stuff, you know, not just about Hartlepool, but about your career across the across this whole scope of it. Uh, thanks very much for sharing that with us. No, nah, not a problem. Like I said, you know, I, I don't regret it. And it's a fantastic football club, you know, running the right manner, you know, in, the, in the, a big football club. And I wish them all the best in the future.